0: Welcome back, Missio family. Today, you'll hear Pastor Josh talk about how the kingdom of God is both a present reality we can experience now and a future blessing to look forward to later. If you have any questions about Missio, you'd like to join a missional community, or you have any prayer requests, please contact us at missio.life.
1: So good morning and happy Father's Day. Welcome. So glad that you're here. I see a few bottles out there. Uh, so if you didn't see it, we, there's a cooler in the back and there's all different kinds of pops for dads. So we were going to do just straight up dad's root beer and we're like, well, there's a lot of other cool kinds of pops. So if you didn't grab one, get one on your way out, grab one for your dad if he's not here. Um, so we got lots. So please grab one. Um, so glad to be starting a new series today. Called the Kingdom. We're gonna be, uh, Kingdom Life really is what it's called. And so we're gonna be talking about the Kingdom for the next number of weeks. Uh, But before we jump into that, I just wanted to give you a little update on Thursday night. So we kicked off our summer nights in the park, kind of. Uh, We tried to kick it off. And normally in the summer months, we do these events in the parks where we will just take our inflatables, we'll set up, we'll bring a huge grill. And we'll feed a bunch of people, and we're blessed to be a blessing, and so we uh, enjoy doing that most of the time in the summer, except when it rains, and except when there's a lot of smoke in the air. Uh, so we had to cancel on Thursday night. I was on the, we were driving to the park. I was pulling the trailer, and I was praying. I'm like, Lord, do we cancel? Do we have it? Because it could blow over. And when we got there, it just dumped on us. So we just decided, okay, we're calling it. It's all good. So thank you if you signed up to volunteer. We're going to need you in the future to sign up again and to volunteer for that. So stay tuned. There's a chance we may try to reschedule the one that got canceled. But if not, the next one is the third Thursday of July and the third Thursday of August. So we did that on purpose to try to be, you know, super, you know, make it easy to remember. I uh, just didn't work out this last time. So, anyway, thanks for that. And we're going to jump into this new series, Kingdom Life, today. So, if I were to guess, I would think that most people in this room probably have lived in this country or are a citizen of this country, right? But I, there may be a few of you that aren't. Anybody here ever lived in another country? Raise your hand if you've lived in. Oh, my goodness. There's a lot of you. What country? Canada, eh? What else? How many other are Canadians? Oh, my goodness. Where do you guys live? Australia? England, England, I figured with the accent. I lived in England for four years as well. And so most of us in the room, I mean, there's a few exceptions, right? We've lived other places, but we know the United States. We know this country. You know, we've experienced it living up or growing up, living here. And one of the things they teach us in school is about our government. Don't worry, I'm not going all political here. But we learn about our government and the the type of government that we have in the United States. It's a three-branch system, right? We have the executive branch, the president. We have the legislative branch, we have Congress. And we have the judicial branch, the court system. And when you're a kid, it's all just, you know, stuff that you learn in, in class. And then as you get a little bit older, you start to actually experience those things. Hopefully we don't experience too much of the judicial branch, right? Don't want to spend too much time in the courts. It's not a good thing if you're getting in trouble a lot. But we learn that the the government that was set up hundreds of years ago by other people impacts our daily lives. And so we know what it's like to live in this country with the system of government that we have. But not every country has the same type of government. We learn about uh, countries that have Kings and queens. We learn about monarchies, and and so not every country has the same kind of government that we have. I mentioned I lived in England. Um, I was a kid. I was pretty young at the time, so I don't remember much about the queen or you know the prime minister or Parliament. We we heard about these things, but all I really remember about England was it rained a lot. Fish and chips were pretty awesome, and the chocolate tasted weird. That's what I remember about England. That's, I don't know if you can relate to any of that. Maybe not. Uh, I didn't mean to insult you. But anyway, um, that's what I remember. I don't remember much about the government and what it was like because we were Air Force and mostly spent our time on the base. But other countries have different forms of government. And I was curious, I did a little search online, I was like, how many countries still have a king? And guess how many countries? Anybody guess? Throw a number out. Six? It's actually 43. There's 43 countries that still have a king. Isn't that crazy? And so we we know about kings, and we see it in the movies and TV shows, and we kind of know the thing, right? The king is the ruler. What the king says goes, and it's not a bad system as long as you have a good king. As long as the person is a good guy who's the king, everybody's happy. Long live the king. But as soon as you get a tyrant on the throne, it's a totally different story, isn't it? That the king is like, everybody's just feeling the oppression and the weight of this king. And so this is a different type of government. And if, if you want to read about kings, go to the Bible, read the book of First and Second Kings, and you'll see how many examples of corruption there are and how many kings really went off course. And every single one of those kings that, that was a train wreck came down to worshiping idols of other nations. They didn't worship the one true God who said, as long as you follow my ways and you walk in my ways, I'll bless your kingdom. I'll bless your leadership. And so many of them didn't do that. And so Israel, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people had kings. This wasn't God's original design for them, He actually wanted to be their king. He was their ruler. It was a theocracy. God was in charge. And if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see that up until the point where the first king came on the scene, Saul, they were governed and ruled by God, but they also had judges and they had prophets. And God would speak to the people through these appointed leaders. But the people of Israel, they got tired of not having a king and they looked around and it's just, It's like a kid, you know, you see someone else's bike and they want that bike. They say, well, everyone else has got a king. We want a king. We want to be like them. God said, no, you really don't. You really don't want a king. I said, no, we really do. And so God said, all right, I'm going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you the desires of your heart, even though it's not going to turn out the way that you think it will. Samuel was the prophet at the time. And in 1 Samuel 8, it says, But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all they say to you, for they have not rejected you, Samuel, but they have rejected me from being king over them. And So God says, Samuel, give them what they want. They want a king. They want a man to rule over them. Give them what they want. They're not going to be happy with it, but that's what they want. And so Saul was appointed king. And Saul was this tall, good-looking guy, charismatic personality. I mean, I kind of picture like a Tom Brady kind of guy, right? Like the nice square-cut jaw and just a nice smile. Kind of person you think, man, that, he'd make a great king. I'm not saying Tom Brady, but, you know. Picture in your mind somebody like that. We'd say, man, what a great leader. But Saul turned out to be a bad leader, didn't he? If you've read through the accounts of his life, he was a horrible leader, he was insecure, he was emotional, he was up and down, and he tried to kill David, the successor to the throne, and so he was not a good fit for Israel, but that's what they wanted, and God said, all right, I'm going to give you what you want. So why am I bringing up all this stuff about kings and kingdoms and government? The reason I bring it up is because this is where we're going in this series, to be a part of a kingdom, you have to understand, what does the king do? And we have to understand the context of how Jesus taught, because Jesus spent a lot of time talking about the kingdom, and he explained it, and we're going to look at a lot of his teachings in the next weeks. And so we have to understand a little bit of the context of the people of his day that he was speaking to. These were Jews, mostly, and they understood what it meant to be under a king, both good and bad. And so Jesus spoke about the kingdom a lot. And so we're going to be talking about what the kingdom is, where is it, how do we live in it, is it here, is it there, is it coming, is it, is it future, is it present, and why did Jesus talk about it so much? Well, it was important, and so we're going to be discussing that. And so we're going to read through some uh, texts in the coming weeks, but today we're going to be in Luke chapter 17, and so I'm going to read a passage of scripture from Luke 17 starting in verse 20. If you want to follow along, you sure can. So Luke 17, verse 20. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the son of man. And you will look and not see it. And they will say to you, look there or look here. Do not go out and follow them. For as lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, where, Lord? He said to them, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. And so Jesus is teaching about his invisible kingdom. He's teaching about his kingdom. And Jesus often did this. He walked around and he was a teacher. He was a rabbi. And so he had disciples following him, people who were trying to learn his ways. And so Jesus would stop and he would begin to speak to the crowd. And there was a mixture of people in the crowd. He had Jews, he had Pharisees, which were the religious leaders of the day. He had just the random people that happened to be around And I don't know if you noticed this, but when Jesus taught, the Pharisees would often listen and they'd try to stump him like, well, Jesus, have you thought about this? Or what about that? And oftentimes they were trying to trap him in something that he was saying. they were trying to trip him up. But Jesus always outsmarted the Pharisees, didn't he? He would say, he'd ask them a question back or he would come at it from a different angle and they wouldn't know how to answer. And I love that about Jesus. So a Pharisee, in our text today, asks Jesus, and he says, when will the kingdom of God come? Now, we don't know if this was a a legitimate question. There were some Pharisees who actually did care about what Jesus had to say. Nicodemus was one of those. There were some Pharisees who actually believed in Jesus. But then there were a whole bunch of them who just wanted to cause problems. They were hecklers. And so we don't know where this question was coming from, but the question was asked, And Jesus said, all right, I'm going to take this opportunity to do some teaching on the kingdom of God. This is what it's all about. And so Jesus says in verse 20 and 21, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And so Jesus starts talking about this kingdom. And the Jews knew what it was to have a king. They had a history full of kings most of them not good if you read through first and second kings some were followers of god most messed it up so they understood kings and kingdoms and they understood royal families and lineage and they're looking at jesus and they're saying well you're talking about your kingdom so you're proclaiming yourself to be a king who are you like where did you come from you're not from a royal family where's your throne Where's your subjects? Where's your army? Where's your chariots? Where's all your land? Like, you're not a real king. You're not legitimate. And Jesus says, no, 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 my, king, my kingdom is not something you see with your eyes. It's invisible. And so when Jesus was talking about this kingdom, they were completely missing it. Jesus' kingdom on earth is not something we see with our eyes. It's invisible. It's a spiritual kingdom. Jesus said, you can't look and say it's over there or it's over here, but it's in your midst. He said that, didn't he? The kingdom of God resides in the hearts of people. That's his kingdom. That's what he came to bring. Jesus often confused people when he taught, and I, I love that he would use examples and people would completely miss it. Like he said, I'm gonna tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well, they're like, they're... Jesus, no way, you can't tear down the temple. This took so long to build. And, and he's like, no, I'm not talking about that temple. I'm talking about me. Jesus said, I'm gonna be destroyed and I'm gonna raise back in three days because he's the temple, right? So he used um, examples that would often confound his hearers. And sometimes we, we do that too, right? We say, I see, but we don't actually see it. It means I understand Like, oh, I see what you mean. Well, do you actually see? No, it's a figure of speech. And Jesus said, he who has eyes to see, let him see. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. What he meant was the person who has an open heart will understand the kingdom. They will see the kingdom, not literally see it because it's invisible, but they will understand it. Their heart will be open to it. I think it's so cool as we talk about the kingdom And Jesus as the coming king, that God went full circle, didn't he? He started as the leader of the people of Israel. He said, I'm going to be your king. And they said, No, 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 give us Saul. Give us that guy. And now, after all these kings and after Israel blew it over and over and over, God says, All right, guys, time out. Like, you've not done a good job leading yourselves. So I'm gonna send Jesus. I'm going to send the king that you always wanted, the king that you always longed for. He's going to come and he's going to be your king. Unfortunately, many people didn't see him as that and they rejected him. But God sent the king that they always wanted, that they always longed for. Isn't that cool how he went full circle with that? And so living in the kingdom is what we want to talk about next. So the kingdom is invisible. So, how do we live in the kingdom? Jesus taught that it's an invisible kingdom, but He said, the kingdom of God is at hand, or the kingdom of heaven is here. And just a side note, as we look and talk about the kingdom, or if you read Scripture, often you see that word, uh, kingdom of God, that phrase, kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, both used. And sometimes people think those are different. They're actually the same thing. Jesus referred to them interchangeably. He said in Matthew 19, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So we see that he uses them interchangeably, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. It's the same thing. There's one kingdom. So just side note there, hopefully that is helpful for some of you. Um, Oftentimes, Christians think of the kingdom as something that's futuristic. And it is, there's an aspect of that, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But the kingdom isn't just about the future, the kingdom is about now. If Jesus said the kingdom of God is in your midst and the kingdom of God is at hand, then it's not just in the future, it means that it's current as well. And oftentimes Christians think of their afterlife, they think of, well, what happens to me after I die? And that's a pretty important question, don't you think? Yeah, uh, what happens to me after I die? I want to know what's going to happen to my soul. Why am I here on this earth? Those are all big, important questions that we want to ask ourselves, and they have eternal implications. But the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, is so much bigger and better than that because the kingdom is here now. Like, we get to live in the kingdom today, and it extends on into eternity, and that's even better news, I think. And so we all have to decide what we're going to do with Jesus. Do we accept Him? Do we believe in Him? Do we reject Him? We have to decide. And as good as it is to have assurance of salvation after this life, to know what's going to happen after our heart stops beating on this earth, the good news is even better than that because we can have assurance of eternity, but we can also have relationship with God now and live in the fullness of his dynamic kingdom today. And so, you might ask yourself, well, what does it look like then? You talk about living in the kingdom, what does that really look like? And here's what I think it looks like. To live in the kingdom of God now, we live in the reality of who God is and we reflect his likeness to others. See, often Christians have the gospel, they have the good news of Jesus, and we say, well, I have the good news, but yet their life communicates a totally different story. And we say, well, I love Jesus and I follow God, but but I'm super stressed out and I have no freedom and I, I'm, just, I'm not peaceful in my heart and I'm just currently constantly trying to prove myself to God and to others and I'm worried that when I mess up that God's going to punish me and And they live with just this, they're just bound up internally because they don't understand grace and they don't understand the love of God and they really can't show it to other people because they don't really know it for themselves. And so they lack joy, they lack peace, they lack the fruit of the Spirit. And maybe some of you know what I'm talking about. They're grumpy, judgmental. We say, let me tell you about the good news of Jesus. And people say, no thanks. If that's what you got, I don't want it. Let me give you an example. I'll tell you a story about two fictional characters. They're not in this room, so don't start looking around. Uh, There's Frank and Jim. And so Frank, Frank is a husband and a father. He's got a wife and kids, and he's a Christian guy. He's active in his church, teaches Sunday school, rarely misses a Sunday. And Frank is a very spiritual guy. He spends about 20 minutes every morning reading his Bible and praying And he holds himself to a very, very high standard. He doesn't lie to his boss. He's faithful to his wife. He doesn't cheat on his taxes. Just a a stand-up Christian guy. But Frank, you know, he, um, he holds himself to such a high standard and the people around him that when somebody at work makes a mistake, man, they don't want to face the wrath of Frank. And Frank's kids are terrified of it. Because he holds them to such high expectations that if they mess up, they are just totally scared of what he's going to do. See, Frank has a few friends, mostly from his church, but they're surface-level relationships at best. In reality, most people don't like to be around Frank because they just don't enjoy his presence. He's not a very fun person to be around. Now, Jim, on the other hand, is also a Christian guy, has a wife and kids, he's active in his church, and he loves to spend time with God in the morning as well, but sometimes he misses a day or two. Jim understands grace, and he understands that um, he has a relationship with God that runs through every area of his life. And so he also tries to do his best to honor God with his life, but when he makes mistakes, he shows himself grace and he shows other people grace. He knows if, if his coworkers make a mistake, it's okay. I'm going to make a mistake too. Jim has a great relationship with his kids. And they know that if they mess up, they can come to him. And that he'll help them work through whatever issues they have. And Jim has lots of friends. He has friends that are Christians. He has friends that are non-Christians. And people just really like being around Jim. He's got kind of this magnetic personality because he's authentic. And genuine and loving. People just love to be around Jim. So I want to pause here for discussion, ask two questions. The first one is this Of those two characters I just described, whose life is good news to the people around him? Frank or Jim? Jim, and why? Why do you think it's good news? Hmm. Yeah, so more forgiving, more tolerant, more like the Spirit of God. So Jim actually maybe reflects the heart of God a little bit. Anybody else? Anybody know people like Frank? You don't have to name names, but anybody know anybody that's like that? You know some people like Jim? Which one would you rather hang out with? Which one's life is good news? Pretty obvious, right? Second question: Are you an accurate representation of God's heart and character? And what might need to happen? What need to change for that to happen? Anybody? Everybody's a perfect representation of Jesus. Awesome! Great job, guys. In what ways maybe do you struggle to be an accurate representation of God's character? For me, it's grace. It's hard to show God's grace to other people. Anybody else struggle with that? What else? Patience? Is God patient? Yeah over and over, and we don't want to show patience to other people, right? Especially kids. (laughs) So the kingdom of God is here. That's what Jesus said. It's at hand. It's in our midst. It's an unseen spiritual kingdom. And we get to live in it now, but there's also a reality of the kingdom that's yet to be seen. So it's already, but it's also not yet, isn't it? And isn't that cool that... God set it up this way that we get to live in it and experience the kingdom now, but that we also get to long for something else, that there's more coming. There's some pretty awesome stuff on the way. And so it's a spiritual unseen kingdom now, but one day it will be seen and we will see with our eyes and we will understand the fullness of living with Jesus as our King. So I'm not going to get into a bunch of uh, end times eschatology here. Maybe that's for another day. But there's some things that Jesus talks about in his return. Jesus is coming back. He says that. So go back to our text. Look at what he says in verse 22 to 24. The days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the son, Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there or look here. Do not go out and follow them. For as lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so the Son of Man will be in his day. See, people want to see Jesus with their eyes. I do. Anybody else want to see Jesus? And if somebody said, hey, Jesus is over at the mall, man, I'm going over there. I'm like, I want to see Jesus. But what he's saying is, if somebody says, hey, he's over here, or he's over there, it's, it's not him. It's, it's an it's a imposer. It's an imposter. Like, it's, it's somebody uh, claiming to be Jesus who isn't. He said, when the Son of Man comes back, you will know it. It'll be like the lightning flashing across the sky. It's going to be very sudden. It's not going to be some guy standing over at the park, you know, claiming to be Jesus. So if that happens, just know it's not him. It's not the way he's going to show up. His appearing will be sudden and without warning. So Jesus uses a couple of examples from uh, Scripture to teach his audience what what this will be like. He says, just in the days of Noah, so it will be in the day of the Son of Man, verse 27. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. And so it was very sudden. God had to intervene, right? The world was sinful. There were people who were just doing what was right in their own eyes. And God says, I'm sorry that I even made people. They're so sinful. He says, Noah, I'm going to take you and your family, build this big boat, Grab two-by-two two animals, and we're going to start over, Noah. And the people in Noah's day thought he was a fool. And they thought he was nuts, and he built this ark. And all of a sudden, the rains came, and they were just living their lives up to that day. And all of a sudden, God pronounced judgment and wiped them out. And he says the same was true with Sodom and Gomorrah, a very evil city. People were doing their normal stuff. They were buying and selling, having weddings, doing work. And then fire and sulfur came down to destroy them. And so these stories are are a little bit like, whoa, Jesus, what are you talking about here? Like, are we supposed to live in fear? And I don't think that's the point of what Jesus is saying here. I don't think it's, hey, you need to have fear. You need to be afraid. Because as God's kids, we don't have to be afraid of Jesus' return. We actually look forward to it. Jesus says, wait for it, long for it, but be ready And so I think the point of what Jesus is saying here, remember, he's speaking to a mixed audience, all different types of people. I think the point of these examples is this. If I could paraphrase Jesus, don't be so busy living your life that you miss the kingdom. See, we can live in the kingdom now. We can live um, experiencing God's power and presence now, or we can get totally distracted with our own stuff. We can be so hung up with our job and our family and our vacations and our hobbies that we forget about Jesus. Ah, I'm just busy doing my thing. Or we can allow all of those things to be in the kingdom because they are living our, our life with our family, our job, our hobbies, vacations. All of that can be life in the kingdom if we keep our heart focused on Jesus. That's always what it comes down to, isn't it? The heart. Where is my heart? Jesus said in verse 33, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I personally don't think this is Jesus talking about keeping your salvation or losing your salvation. I think this talks about the life that God intended for you to live. We've been in in the series previous to this, we talked a lot about generosity and how Jesus has these upside down sayings where he's like, uh, you know, you try to hold on to everything, you lose it. Well, that doesn't make sense. If I hoard, I would think I'd be rich. Jesus says, no, it's the other way around. You give it away, you become wealthy. It's this upside down way of thinking that Jesus often often turned our logic upside down. And so he says, if you give your life away, if you try to hold on to your life, if you make it all about you and your stuff and what you want, you're going to lose it. You're going to miss it. But if you give your life away and you say, Jesus, here's my life, Here's my stuff, here's my family, here's everything that I have, it's yours. He said, now you're going to find life. That's life in the kingdom. That's what you've been longing for, and you find it when you give it away. It's the total opposite of what we would think. So if we want to know, well, where's my heart? What do I long for? We ask ourselves that question, what do I long for most? And that's where my heart is. So two more questions for discussion, then we're going to close. The first one is this. What thing what do you think most people long for? What do most people long for that you know? Security? Security? What do you mean by that? Being comforted, being assured. Yeah, having what you need, having what you want. Yeah. A lot of people long for that, for sure. What else? Acceptance. Acceptance. What do you mean by that? Trying to kind of compromise, maybe, viewpoints or to be accepted by others? People want to belong, right? Everybody wants to belong to something. Be accepted by others, yeah. Anything else? Happiness. I want to be happy. You want to be happy? It's not a bad thing. So people long for a lot of things. The second question is, how is longing for the future kingdom a good thing for us now? How is longing for the future kingdom, the coming kingdom, the return of Jesus, the establishment of his new kingdom, how is that good for us now to long for that? Gives us hope. Gives us hope. How do you... All of those things that we desire here and now, we will have. And She said, just said exactly... That's exactly what it is. All the things that humans hope for, Jesus offers. And we'll, be, we'll have that in the new kingdom, right? When the kingdom comes, that'll be the fulfillment. We're living in a world that's broken, in a world that doesn't know all these things. We, we want peace, we want happiness, we want comfort, but we don't truly find it apart from Jesus. You're gonna say something in the back. It helps us keep our focus on the most important thing. Yeah. A sense of urgency, a sense of priority. How do we live our lives? We're going to talk a lot lot more about that in the coming weeks. And Jesus taught about how to live in the kingdom. But yeah, it helps us keep our priorities. If we know there's something more than this life, I mean, good grief, if this life is all there is, then I'm just going to focus on this. And that's what a lot of people do. But when we know there's more to come, it helps us. Think about that and prioritize. Yeah, it's absolutely right. So in one sense, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. He said, I showed up to bring the kingdom. It's in your midst. It's an invisible kingdom. And many people in Jesus' day missed it. They didn't see him as a king. They didn't understand his kingdom. They totally missed it. So the kingdom is here. It's here now. And it, it resides in the hearts of people, right? It's already but it's also not yet. There's a future aspect of it. And so maybe we need to think a little bit about that and help to prioritize the way we're living life now. Or maybe you're thinking a little bit about the examples I gave, of Frank and Jim, and we need to ask ourselves the question, is my life good news? If I say I know Jesus, am I reflecting His heart and character to the people around me? Or am I reflecting something else, some other version of Christianity that I've been taught or inherited or or think is right? And maybe we're not reflecting accurately the heart of God. So I think to live in the kingdom, we have to understand it and reflect it accurately to other people. We show God his, uh, or show people what God's nature and his character are like. And so maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you're like, what are you talking about? Jesus, king, kingdom, not just, this is whacked out stuff. If you'd like to know more about what that means, to trust Jesus, to have assurance of your salvation for what happens after you die, I'd love to have a conversation with you. That's something we can talk about today. And if you know Jesus, ask yourself that question. Is my life reflecting good news to others? Can you imagine, um, let's just say our country, for example, with a president who never lied, uh, never had a scandal, Always made perfect decisions. You guys are laughing because you know this isn't is reality, right? We, we know what um, human leaders do. But imagine a, a country where you could perfectly trust the leader. You never had to question their motives. They always did what was best for their people and were even willing to die for their people. They loved them that much. And it's hard to even imagine that on this earth, because we know such flawed leadership and government. But there's a day coming when we will live in Jesus' kingdom. He will be the king. He is the king. And he always does what is good and right and perfect. And so we have that to look forward to. So I hope that you remember that as you think about the future, the coming kingdom. So We live in it now. It's already, but it's also not yet. And so that's good news for us. Amen? Gives us hope. Let's pray together and thank God for that. Jesus, thank you that you came on a rescue mission to save humanity. Thank you that you are the one true king. And that even though people rejected you and still reject you, it doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change the fact that you will return one day and make everything right. And so, Jesus, in this moment, we just say thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying for us on the cross. And thank you for always doing what's best for us. We belong to you. We're citizens of, of another country. We're citizens of your kingdom, a heavenly kingdom. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We praise you. And we, help, we just pray you'd help us to reflect your heart and your nature to everyone around us so that more and more people can come to know who you are, Jesus. In your name, amen. Would you stand as we close?
0: Josh left us with a few takeaways from today's service. Invisible Kingdom Jesus' kingdom on earth is not something we see with our eyes. It's invisible, a spiritual kingdom. The kingdom of God resides in the hearts of people. The Living Kingdom We live in the reality of who God is and reflect his likeness to others. Longing for the Kingdom Don't be so busy living your life that you miss out on the Kingdom. Discussion Questions In the service, Josh brought up a story about Frank and Jim. Whose life is good news to people around them, Frank or Jim? Why? Are you an accurate representation of God's heart and character? What might need to change in your heart? What things do most people long for? How is longing for the future kingdom a good thing for us now? Thanks again for listening, Missio family. We'll see you again next week.